Some call me Steve, Dad, Husband or Friend. Others might call me Boss, Coach or Mentor. Today you can call me the Leadership Hacker. Thanks for listening in, I really appreciate it. My job as the Leadership Hacker is to hack into the minds, experiences, habits and learning of great leaders, C-suite executives, authors and development experts so that I can assist you developing your understanding and awareness of leadership. I'm Steve Rush and I'm your host today. I'm the author of Leadership Cake, I'm a transformation consultant and leadership coach and can't wait to start sharing all things leadership with you. Today's special guest is Shannon Russo. She's the CEO of Kinetics, has a background as an executive with companies such as M&M, Mars, Kidder Peabody and Company. And after riding the corporate wave, she opted to run her own firm and founded Kinetics with the goal of creating a firm that could help growing companies get the talent that they needed to compete. But before we get a chance to speak with Shannon, it's the Leadership Hacker News. The Great Resignation is a real thing and it's happening to many people around the world. But of course, it even impacts on global enterprises as well as global superstars in the world of business. Tesla CEO Elon Musk has joined the Great Resignation, or has he? He's tweeted numerous times over the last few months that he's quitting his job to become an influencer. But while he still sits as a CEO, his role has significantly shifted to appeal to his lifestyle choices in philanthropic adventures. Shareholders, customers and regulators haven't always appreciated the humour in Elon Musk's approach to his Twitter or hijinks. 2018 Tesla shares plummeted after he posted a April Fool's Day message saying that the company had gone bankrupt. He quoted earlier this year that he was going to dispose of all of his shares and equally had a massive impact. Tesla shares fell from about 20% from November to now as Musk has offloaded his shares. He tweeted in December that he would be able to buy by a poll that he took whether or not to sell his stake in the car maker. So even Elon Musk, the CEO of Tesla and Space Exploration Technologies, cited to be the world's richest person with a fortune and an estate worth $266 billion, even Elon Musk has been affected by the world around us over the last couple of years. So if you're a leader listening to this, pay attention to how our teams are performing and behaving. Some of the idiosyncrasies and little idioms that you might notice in people's behaviour could be a sign that they're being restless. And actually having conversations to help people find their purpose is really what it's all about. Finding out what your team need, want and expect from you as a boss is incredibly important as well as appealing to their intrinsic motivation. And that can really help the great resignation become the great retention. So that's been the Leadership Hacking News today. Please continue to get in touch and contact us through our social media. We'd love to listen to your insights and ideas about what we can talk about on the show. Our special guest on today's show is Shannon Russo. She is the Chief Executive Officer for Kinetics. After a successful career in finance as an executive, Shannon founded Kinetics with the goal of creating a firm that could really help growing companies get the very best talent that they needed to to compete in a marketplace that is really tough. Shannon, welcome to the show. Thanks, Steve. Great to be here. 
So I'd love to hear about your journey from finance executive to kinetics. Tell us a little bit about you know, what happened and indeed before that. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks. Um, really, and it's, a, it's sort of a joke um, because prior to forming kinetics, which now has been 16 years crazy, um, <clears throat> I was a finance person for an HR company for a workforce solutions company for the prior 10 years. So um, while I was doing finance, I was helping drive the strategy for a company that was in the workforce solutions space. So I've had a a much longer um, perspective. I think what finance gave me was really this ability to drive analytics into um, the HR processes and talent acquisition specifically And so when I went down the path of forming Kinetics, it really was because I saw some opportunities to really bring value to clients. And it was my finance background and the analytics that I did sort of looking at it that helped me come up with there's there's a better way. Right. These these billion multi-billion dollar companies do it and outsource their recruitment. But smaller companies never think that they can do that. And I came up with a model in which small and growing companies up to big companies could, could do it in a way that's slightly different than what it was done before. So it kind of helped me feed what I was doing, if that makes sense. Yeah. And I remember from the first time that we met as well, it was kind of almost born out of a bit of frustration from you watching how others were getting it wrong and how the opportunity was just almost there for the taking, right? Yes. Well, and part of it is that the relationship between recruitment providers and clients, right? Hiring leaders and companies, in my mind, is very much like the the real estate. I don't really like that relationship. And so that was the other thing we were trying to do is really go at it a little bit differently. We can really provide some leverage, perspective, um, process, you know, a lot of that kind of stuff that, especially if you're a growing company, you don't have. But we can also provide this perspective if you're a large company that says, you're doing it wrong. You're taking too long. You're right. You're caught up in your own things and um, and bring that to the table and, and really provide value. So so it's really been an interesting ride because of that. I don't want to call it a conflict, but just difference in terms of what the historical way that firms deal with each other to what we've been trying to build. Right. Yeah. There's a double sorted question for you. So yeah, interesting to learn a little bit about the work you do specifically now and just wondered as a result of the crazy world we've been in over the last couple of years, how that might have changed. Yeah, thanks, Steve. Um, You know, what I would tell you is the media loves to talk about the great resignation in air quotes and how this is this amazing opportunity for workers. And wow. In, case, in some cases, that is absolutely true. I think that the miss that we are living through, that, that my team and my um, clients and the hiring leaders are living through painfully is for many folks, they think that that has given them the right to be, in many cases, unethical in doing things and really not to um, realize that this is some kind of a relationship that's happening. And when you're going down the path to get a job, you should decide who you want to be with. And if you accept a job, you should take it. So what we're seeing is sort of the dark side of the great resignation is this willingness for people, again, to be unethical in that they will accept a job and then take another job before they even start 
and just ghost the first job. Yeah. Just doing things that are that are really horrendous and somehow thinking that that's okay and the world is all about them and there's no honesty and and um, things. It, it's okay if you don't want to work for someone. Right. That's the whole reason that you go through this recruitment process is to figure out if it's the right fit for both parties. Right. If it's the right fit for you, take the job. Don't look back. If it's not the right fit, say no. Move on. Yeah. This, this sort of we're seeing it and it's not just low end. We're seeing six figure plus people doing horrible things like that where they take a job and two weeks later they take another job. Wow. That's ridiculous. And do you see that this being generational as well? Because I think I might have shared the story with you before that when my son was, who's 22, was looking for one of his his most recent job he's in now, and it was the one he stuck with. He, he was kind of almost lining up these opportunities in, in so much as he was going to have like a juggling game at the end when they'd all offered. And I said to him at that time, you know, hey, this this isn't right. You know, focus on one role, the what the role that you want, because ultimately there's, there's people in the process at the end of this. And actually you're taking up space for other people at the same time, right? Yes. Without question you are. Yep. And I do think that the younger generations have been, they're, they're more, they're less jaded than us on the one hand, but, but because of it, they're more enamored with this. It's all about me perspective. Yeah. And so I do think there is a little bit um, while we've seen it irrespective of age, I do think that what we are seeing is a little bit more willingness to do that if you are slightly younger than myself <laughs> I'll say and I guess this, this, that comes with a little bit of naivety maybe a little bit you can be a little bit green around the gills but actually at one point in time you, you're also going to become a hiring manager and you can, you know at one point in the future you're going to be in a position where you have a a group of people applying for a role and and I think you know what goes around comes around <laughs> Steve, you, that is exactly the right perspective. And part of the reason that they're so willing to do it is because they haven't had it happen to them for someone who they were really excited to join their team. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> and that might hopefully change their perspective um, a little bit, but that's an experience thing, right? And you can't, you, you just, that's a time thing. Totally. So you talk about the great resignation and it's you know, everywhere you turn, somebody's quoting it, somebody's referencing it. I'm curious from your perspective, because you hire thousands of people into different organizations, right? And I'm just curious to find out, is this just a moment in time for us? Or is, do we think that maybe this is something that's going to be with us for a while? Um, great question. I wish I knew the answer to that. What I would tell you is right now, for the next 18 to 24 months, it's with us. Right. Beyond that, I don't know that I can give you a perspective because I'm hopeful that instead of this dialogue about we just have people that have been beaten down and the great resignation is them fighting back that we have a dialogue around the, the actual realities of what the, the employees are doing. Right. So this is a relationship and both sides have a part to play and they both, it's not all one-sided in terms of who's wrong and who's doing things that are not so great. And so that's really where I don't know how long it'll be around is because the media loves to play that. Um, but here's what I could tell you that is a significant shift that's going to be with us for a while Yeah. because of that and because of really some of the workforce mentality and shifts that we are seeing a tremendous difference in the volume we're needing to contact in order to get to the same number of candidates to be interviewed. So we call that the funnel. And so the top of our funnel has gotten significantly bigger 
um, in terms of the amount of outreach that we have to do because less people are responding, even if they're saying like, hey, not interested. Um, and then because of some of these other things we just talked about, less people moving through the process because we have people dropping out in the middle, um, which doesn't necessarily bother me except for they're ghosting us instead of saying, hey, I took another job, I'm not interested or whatever it is. Any of those things are okay. Um, so it's just making the recruitment process from a delivery standpoint, more challenging, right? Hmm. You're, you're talking to more people, you're out, you're reaching out to more people. I don't know that that's going to go away for a while. I don't love that, but it's sort of what I'm seeing and I can't see until sort of the mentality starts to change. Sure. Um, some of that changing. And then we have all the demographics that are working against us, right? Aging population, people retiring, right? People getting tired, all of that stuff that just makes it where we really have to kind of build up the the younger generations to where there will be enough people for the, um, certainly some of the technical jobs going forward. And from your experience, is the great resignation just for those specialist and technical jobs? Because the talent pool hasn't significantly changed in the last two years, right? Nope. No, that's the rub. Right. So here's what I would tell you. You're seeing it across the board for the, the nichiest skills. You're seeing it, but you're seeing it for things that you and I might consider pretty basic, where there's a pretty good volume of um, employees or candidates. You're seeing it there as well. And so I think that's driving a lot of dysfunction across those. I literally have a client in the Midwest. I'm not joking. <clears throat> we are hiring candidates that are, um, I consider to be making a decent amount of money. So between forty-five and $75,000 a year. So not low, low end, right? These are not $10 an hour workers. Um, and they are having one half of their hires drop off after they have accepted an offer wow. between then and start. That's massive in terms of cost for hiring, isn't it as well? Think about yeah. that. Yes. Just in terms of the volume and what you're doing. And we've been working hard together to kind of shorten that. So, right. Cause time is part of it. Um, but also how do we kind of close, close out people yay or nay. So we and they, it's more we, right. The, the hiring process are not taking so much time with people that are not going to make it to the finish line. How do you expedite that as a process then to make sure that you do, you know, speed up that early kind of vetting, if you like. Yeah, it's great. Uh, it's a great question. So you try to truncate the recruitment process once the person has been, right? Are they qualified and interested? Once you know that for us, that's around the submittal, um, then the interviews should be fast, right? Even if you do some of them um, via video and some of them face-to-face. -face. So you don't want to have this really long 10-step recruitment process. And then at the very end in your kind of pre-onboarding and onboarding for some clients, we're actually starting candidates while the background check is finishing. So for some states where the background check process is long because the court systems are slow, we're, we're um, having people accept a what we would call a contingent offer that as long as their background comes back clear, they start early and they get paid for that. Right. So there's no, there's nothing untoward happening, but we're doing things to kind of speed up that onboarding yeah, to, to lessen the time from when you accept the job to when you start. And obviously that 
that um, depends on if you're coming from another job, then that has to be two weeks. But just how can we make that as tight as possible? And having you talk through kind of the process, I wonder how many of your hiring managers maybe have changed their approach in so much as maybe feeling a bit more anxious or a bit more, you know, desperate almost to hire people because of the environment we're in now and whether or not that's going to help hold people back. You know, I think it's interesting. You're right. The ones who are really taking it on the chin right now, they are starting to adjust. Where I see as big of a challenge um, in terms of people being willing to be flexible are folks that maybe don't hire as much and don't have as much experience in the world that we're living in right now, still thinking that, oh, everybody wants to come work for me. So why don't I have 10 candidates to review for this, um, you know, very niche job? Well, the reality is that the world has changed and you're going to have to move faster. You are going to have to actually sell the candidates at the same time as you are vetting the candidates to figure out whether or not they fit you. So it's a, it's a very different challenge than some of these older mentality, it's not an age thing, older mentality, like if you were a hiring leader three years ago, your perspective is very different Mm. or needs to be very different than it is today in terms of how you deal with the candidates that you are talking to. Does that, does that help clarify a little bit? Yeah, it does. Big big shift. Yeah. And of course it's in parallel to future employees and candidates having the opportunity to completely reevaluate what's important to them in their work and life at the same time as well, isn't it? It is 100%. And, and that's what we're seeing. And um, one of the things, and you'll chuckle, your your um, son may have done the same stuff. Sometimes they have, the candidates have unrealistic expectations of what they're getting. And they just mm. sort of lay that out for hiring leaders, which they think they're a little bit smug in that, oh, hey, this is what I want. And this is what I got to have. And I'm all that, right? And sometimes they're off in what they're thinking, right? In terms of the reality of, you know, this is a job where I'll give you some limited examples that'll make you laugh, right? The big call now along with the great resignation is 100% remote. Everything has to be 100% remote. (laughs) Well, if the job requires you and I to touch each other or face each other or do any of those, then guess what? Exactly. Not remote. (laughs) And so there's, there's a little bit, on the middle of the spectrum where, you know, there's some myths where people have a job. We, we did something for a manufacturing company and, and they needed the person to be on site because they're actually doing quality, right? How else can you do that? Exactly. And, and so, but for us to have to actually have the conversation to be like, no, this, you can't check the quality of what's happening on the line unless you are physically there. Yeah, Exactly. And so some of those things are, are um, you know, in some ways surprising, but but some of the shifts with this where people maybe aren't, they, 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 they listen to some of the stuff in the media and then they don't think it all the way through into the reality of either their their, their kind of job or any of that. And, and or they, whether they do or not, they want some of the other stuff. And, you know, you and I have seen these cycles a few times in our careers, I'm sure, Shannon, and one thing is for sure is that in a few years time, two, three, five, ten, whatever the the number of years is, there'll be a time where jobs are scarce and the tables will have turned. And it's important that we're just really thoughtful of that in terms of our behaviors, isn't it, when we start to proceed on these journeys. 
It's 100% vital. And and what I would tell you, unfortunately, because I don't think it's that, I agree with you, who knows when it's going to be, but the inflation that we're seeing is kind of making me a little, you know, stressed about how how soon it might be. But what I can Mm. tell you this time, um, this will probably make you chuckle, Steve, is the whiplash is going to be very harsh. I think so too, yeah. yeah. Because of how, if you are really trying to hire right now, how you're getting treated by candidates, yeah, it's going to come back to bite some folks on the yeah. other side. I don't disagree at all. So there's one thing that you have created, which I really love, and it's you call it the Kinetics Code. And it's definitely not a playbook because I know you say it's not a playbook. It's not a, it's not a handbook. It is really a set of principles, or you call them flavors, actually that are just really potential factors that you not only help your clients with, but it's also key to your team. And I'd love for us to just get into those six principles or potential factors. Yeah. Thank you, Steve. Um, so you're, you're exactly right, right? In, in the United States specifically, handbooks are very typical. And in, in many cases, you need them. Same for us. You, you need right, right. There's certain things in terms of the base expectations and legal requirements and what we're expecting. When do you right? When do you have to start work? When do you finish? How does um, paid time off work? All of those kinds of policies, HR policies, necessary for us. We know that's important, but but coming out of the HR space, one of the things that we felt like was missing was. And, and that's the genesis of the kinetics code. And then I'll get into the potential factors was <clears throat> as part of this. And you heard me talk about it, right? You're vetting candidates, but you're also trying to share with them and either on the one hand, sell them, but, but conversely, maybe repel them. If who you are isn't a fit, you don't want them. Literally, you don't want them. Think Zappos back in the day who used to give you a bonus to leave if you weren't the right fit. It's sort of in that model that says, on the one hand, I want to be as transparent as possible to have everyone understand who we are as a company and how we operate and what the expectations are. And if you like that, that's going to lean you in. If you don't like that, my hope is it's going to lean you away because I don't want us to dance and waste each other's time. Right. Mm -hmm. So that was sort of the first part. And we wanted more than just the policies, which is sort of the you know, legal jargon, but we, we set about with the kinetics code to really introduce you to how we think about things and what kinds of people are successful so we could get you there. And then the potentials is a key part of that. The potentials for us are what other companies call their culture or maybe their values. That's probably the best comparable. So if you think about your values, our potential factors are values and Um, I'll talk about them in just a second, but what I would tell you is they flow through everything. They're not just in the kinetics code as what we think is important. We use them when we give kudos to each other um, on a daily basis. And when we do performance reviews, those, your job is one part and those potential factors, right? Your, our values are the other thing that we rate you on when we try to decide kind of what's next for you. So, Um, most companies have values. We've sort of, for us, taken that to the next level and put it into as much of everything that we do. So if you are an employee of ours, you know what to expect, how we're going to rate you, um, what's important to us, um, and all of that. And so that's really how we came up with it. And as you mentioned, we have six. 
we tried to do five, um, but we just couldn't um, get it done with five. And so when we <laughs> when we came up with it, the last one is um, kick-ass teammate. And uh, it's really important. Plus, we call it a plus one because what we found is the people who are the most successful, that is one of the traits of who they are. And Steve, you know, you've worked with people who that's who they are. And you've worked with people, by the way, who that's not who they are. Definitely. And so we, when we were doing it, we just um, ended up adding that to the table um, because we just felt like when we thought about who was the most successful working for us, that that was something that with the other uh, potentials or values, however you want to frame it, that, that might've been missing um, in that. And um, so hopefully that gives you the framework. Let's dive into them. Just maybe give us a bit of a framing on each of them and, and what that means. And as a leader, then how I can think about using that with my team. Yeah. Yes. So one of the things you'll notice, and you heard it from my sixth one that I just mentioned, these are not things. So we, we actually spent more time than average thinking about them. And I'm going to, I'm going to, um, piss off some folks with what I'm about to say. <laughs> they don't include something like integrity. And I'm sure there's a lot of people that whose head's going to be like, what do you mean? Integrity is one of our values. Yes. Integrity is something that we find very important. Here's the problem with integrity. How do I measure it? You either have it or you don't. And I typically only find out if you don't when it's too late. Yeah. It's not one of those things you can jump on a, an e-learning course to say, you know, I'm just going to take a course on integrity and, and top that up. It doesn't work. Right. And so, and so how we value it, it's since we were using the potential factors across how we're going to rate you, how we're going to decide if you're the right employee, how how your performance management is going to go. Integrity, because you either do it or you don't or you have it or you don't. How do I to your point? How do I say, oh, you're doing really good, Steve. Let's do a little bit better on your integrity. That's not how it works. It's a switch. Right. right? Either you do or you don't. And so we spend a lot of time really making sure that the things that we have as our potentials our values, that they were also things we could articulate. And they were also things that we could measure and rate people on. Got it. Yeah. So, all right, I'm going to go through the, um, the six, I'm just going to do them one at a time. And Steve, please give me your, uh, your commentary. So the sure. first one is get stuff done because for our perspective, listen, it's a job, right? We're hiring you to do stuff and to execute what's in, in front of you and to not get distracted by all of the things that can help you slow down. So for us, getting stuff done, very important. We operate at a pretty high pace and our clients are relying on us. So um, that's a really important one for us. Yeah. And we brought it down to something that makes sense, right? Get stuff done. Steve, I'm pretty sure you know what I mean by that. You don't get paid for effort, do you? You get paid for results. Exactly. Exactly. You got to, we, we also call it shipping product, right? Getting stuff done, executing and moving things forward. Yep. That's it. The next one is figures it out again, Steve, I'm guessing, you know, what figures it out means. We, we call it the smart factor and we spend a lot of time because politically that doesn't sound nice. Right. But here's what we mean by that. We're, this is not an IQ discussion. This is, we're going to give you incomplete direction sometimes. And we need you to dive in and figure out what we mean by that. Ask questions, do any of the stuff to figure out how to execute on what's in front of you and what your job is. That's what matters to us. Not high IQs. 
willingness to figure it out, take the next step um, to deliver for our clients. Yeah. So again, we try to dive in a little bit deeper. So the next one is one that we found some of our most successful people have this as part of who they are. um, And that's passion and innovation. This one was a little harder, frankly, for us to kind of dive in. um, But I feel like we got to a good spot. And so passion and innovation if you ask just about anyone, Steve, Steve, are you passionate? Do you, do you believe in passionate? Yes. Right. It's like, are you going to pick up the garbage? Yeah. Everybody's passionate. Everybody says they're passionate, right? Right. But here's how we define it. So again, defining these so that someone can understand what you expect more than just saying you're into it. What we're expecting is that you love what you do so much that you routinely Spend discretionary effort. Let me be really clear. Discretionary effort, which is more than average, more than expected, extra time, learning things that can make you better, experimenting on things to make processes better. That's how we define it. Not just some esoteric, oh, yes, I'm passionate. No. How do you do things routinely that help you and us do better, get better Figure things out. Like it. Um, all right. So the next one is self-evident, given that we are a recruitment firm connector. Right. You've got to. You've really got to be able to connect with people um, for all different ways. Right. So you're doing it because it's who you are. These kind of people connect when they're at the coffee shop. Right. It's just how they are, and they also, as part of that, for us. We, we include a little bit of that paying forward because I might connect with someone or you might connect with me, Steve, and I might not be able to help you fill a role you're working on right now. But a good connector at Kinetics means I'm connecting with you and I'm getting your information because tomorrow I might have that great opportunity yeah. for you. And so we see it as a little bit even more than that. All right. I'm coming into the home stretch, Steve, with this. Um, the next one for us, again, we're kind of keeping these front and center, but but they are real in that these are things that make Kinetics a successful company. The next one is called likable. Yep, we said it. Likable. It's one of those it's one of those things that people are quite uncomfortable using that word these days because it doesn't feel particularly quantitative, yeah. does it? But actually, we all feel it. That's right. So and and again, we it, it, similar to the other ones we've we dove in to kind of tell you what we mean by that. So yes, for us, likable means authentic, authentic means professional means that you have command of what you are doing in person on the phone, how you write and communicate with people. So it's very much around communication. Um, But at the same time, you're viewed as approachable and you can work with teams critical for us um, so this is something that we actually spend a lot of time on. Um, we talk about being classy, honest. That's the other part of being likable is being real enough to tell the truth. Even if it's not what the person wants to hear, because that ultimately does make you likable because you're trustworthy. Yeah. And without that trust and likability, you actually can't be honest with people. So if you think about if you wanted to give some feed forward or feedback to somebody, and you didn't like them, it would be really uncomfortable and it would be really hard to execute because you you have this unconscious worry about offending them. But if you have that trust and likability with somebody, then that communication is going to be more free flowing anyway. 
100% Steve. And we, we even take it a step further with our views on, on being classy honest. Here's what we would say that aligns perfectly, Steve, with what you just said. I could give you, Steve, some feedback on the job you did for me yesterday. And I probably could get that done in 30 seconds to a minute in terms of giving you very direct feedback. But Steve, that might not be how you can receive it. Right. So as a leader, I need to take a step back and maybe I need to take five or 10 minutes to give you that feedback in a way that you can hear it and that you can assimilate it and not burn you up. Being honest does not mean I need to scorch the earth with you. I just need to be honest and truthful about the situation, if it's especially if it's a performance thing, and communicate that to you. But that the likability part for us comes in. I don't need to burn you up to get there. I can take a little bit longer. I can be a little more caring in giving that feedback. Yeah, definitely so. And when you think about your six flavors, your potential factors, how has that evolved your teams since you've introduced it? What I would tell you is... Um, it has really helped. And this is our view of what's critical about how you manage culture at your organization as a leader. We use one of the reasons that we spent so much time on the languaging was we want people to use it in their regular conversation. We want people to reference it. And that, Steve, is the benefit that that is what has happened. So we literally talk yeah. to each other about, man, Steve, that call that you were on, you were so likable, right? You really showed that. And then we also, um, as I mentioned, you know, way back in the old days, we used to put it on cards. We had six of these cards that you could write on and put on my desk. But now we actually use an app where I can um, share kudos with the whole company on an app um, and, and tell you, Steve, the great things that you did. And then so we've really kind of brought it into our day to day culture and the app that we use, which is called recognize we buy it. Um, it actually integrates to outlook. What a great way to be able to just get it done. So we tried to make it as simple as possible for our team to recognize each other and recognize when they are executing on these potentials and then to cement it. We use it for performance management, but let me tell you what really gets people going. At the end of every year, we have, um, and if you didn't know this by now, I'm sure you do, um, orange is one of our main colors. Yeah, and yeah. so we we have the Bleed Orange Awards. Yeah. How do you get a Bleed Orange Award, you ask, Steve? You get it by getting the most of these kudos. Love it. Yeah. So we're keeping everyone very also focused on um, this in their day to day, because it's really easy to lose kind of those cultural tenets if you don't make them part of everyday conversations. Yeah. And so many companies make the mistake of just having words on walls. And that's a perfect example of, of creating some, some themes and making them part of what you do rather than words on wall. And that, that's how we make a difference. It makes it easier for us to recruit people. Here's what I could tell you. Like so many people, 2021 was a heavy recruiting internally year for Kinetics as well. We have um, doubled the size of our team. It helps them because here's something that I hear from new employees regularly. What's amazing is how consistent everyone is and how everyone that I meet kind of displays the same values. 
Like, by the way, for me as CEO, I'm like, oh, can I hug you? (laughs) That's exactly what I want. Because that's how we're successful, right? And the bigger you get, the harder that is to do. So, so continuing for us to focus on it is, is really how we think, you know, we continue to be successful. Well, kudos to you. So this is part of the show where we get to flip a little bit and dive into your leadership brain and tap into your years of experience in leading teams and others, as well as, you know, coaching other leaders around the way that they do things too. So the first thing I'd like to ask you is if you could try and dive in and think about what would be your top three leadership hacks? Big one. Um, So top three leadership hacks are a little bit aligned with some of the stuff that I talked to you about on values. So I'm not cheating, but that classy, honest that you heard me talk about in terms of being likable, being a leader is very much about making decisions, executing on stuff or driving execution as a leader, right? And then holding people accountable and performance managing that. So that classy, honest is a leadership hack that too many people on the hard, and I'm very hard driving, but on the hard driving side, miss Mm. that I would tell you is a critical one. Here's the other one that some folks, especially people trying to get into leadership, often what I hear people say is like, I can't wait to be a manager and have to do less. Like, um, you don't really understand what's coming. (laughs) And so, so that's the second part, because I do see this sometimes, especially with candidates that come from very large organizations where their ability to actually do stuff gets limited by the nature of the organization. So, um, my leadership hack is being willing to dive back in at any moment. Now, that doesn't mean you always do that, but I had a situation, I'll give you an example of where it kind of came back to me and it made me smile. We had a situation where we were working on a presentation for a client and I'm not normally in the middle of all of that, right? As you might expect as the CEO of the company, but the account leader really was struggling with a couple of things and I had some history and we knew that. And so I dove in with her and we worked together um, one afternoon. And unfortunately, because the presentation was the next day into the evening, she was like, oh my gosh, it was so amazing that you were willing to dive in. And when I heard that, I, you know, I thanked her, but I was like, but that mm. is being leader, not just letting her fall. And it's the willingness bit that's most important. It's just letting people know that you're willing to. That's right. That's right. And and here's what I would tell you that about that um, person that works for me, she will never doubt me again. Right. Now, I didn't do it for that. But after she told me and I thought about it, I was like, wow, wow. That's not why I was doing it. I was doing it because we I wanted her to be successful and I wanted us to be successful. But the reality is I was building my leadership profile with her in the process without even realizing yeah. it. Last one. Um, I would tell you this is a mixed bag because some of the worst leaders do this too much, but I still call it a leadership hack because for me over the last two years, it's really been a rough two years, like so many people. And I've really had to work on this. And that is take time for yourself. Don't be embarrassed about that but be willing to do it and balance it, right? Don't bleed it through everything that you're doing, but be willing to kind of take that time for yourself, whatever that is. So important, right? so important, right? And so I know you didn't probably think I was going to give you that as a leadership hack, but I would tell you it is because that's about sustainable leadership. Totally, yeah. Those are my three. Awesome, really great uh, hacks, great lessons for people to dive into. 
Next part of the show we call hack to attack. So this is typically where something in your life or your work has maybe screwed up, hasn't worked out as well. But as a result of the experience, you've now got something that you can use as a force of good for you. What would be your hack to attack? So my hack to attack was I formed Kinetics. So I had come out of the finance, as you know, I'd come out of the finance side, which means I was in the corporate infrastructure of a very large company. We were a Fortune 500. Um, and so when I formed Kinetics, right, I didn't have a ton of experience running a small and medium sized business. Hmm. Um, and so, <laughs> so I had lots of learn. I have lots of learnings, but um, the the learning that really was a challenge that now has become better from a right from my life and from work is realizing a couple things, and that is, I don't know everything, and by the way, it's one hundred percent okay. Yeah. Right. So that that was the biggest thing because from a right coming up in the corporate environment of a very large company um you really were known for what you knew right and yeah. so you sort of build this up in yourself and when you sort of i don't want to say that i started over right but i sort of started with a small business that i was going to grow into what 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 kinetics is today but the reality is there was so much i didn't know mm. And so my willingness to ask questions and be open to feedback, because some of the feedback that I got, I did not want to hear and I did not like. But being open to do that, um, because it really, you know, you think, I, I, listen, I was I was not a young kid when I started um, Kinetics, right? I was um, in my late 30s. And like so many folks in their late 30s, right, a very successful Fortune 500, top five person, la, 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 all this stuff that says I'm good at what I do, whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah. What about the stuff you've never seen before? That's what about right. the situations you've never had to deal with? And so um, the big learning, some of them did not go well. And my takeaway that, that I really feel like has made me better today is, darn, you know, uh, uh, don't let my ego get in the way of being willing to learn every day from anyone. Cause that was the other thing working for big companies, right? You're working with all these very smart, very professional people. You can learn as much. And I did from somebody who really doesn't articulate very well, yeah. um, but they can teach you some hard lessons and they can teach you some good lessons. So be ready and willing to accept that learning wherever it's going to come from, because that's, that's, Literally a hack. Yeah, it totally is, isn't it? To getting better. Yeah, definitely so. So the last thing we get to do today, Shannon, is you get to do a bit of time travel. Bump into Shannon at 21 and you get to give her some advice. What would it be? Oh, shoot, 21. Wow, that's a long time ago, Steve. <laughs> <laughs> um, but but here's what I would tell myself that was some things that I feel like I've learned later. The The biggest one is... When you've done all the work and you've um, gotten all the perspective, don't be scared and don't waste time before you make the decision. I, I had some things that I ended up getting involved in as I was coming up in my career where looking back, if I had, a, a, you know, an example was I needed to let somebody go whose um, role I was taking over, but I was afraid. 
I didn't know what they knew. There was all this other stuff. And so I waited six months. That was the worst decision of my life. I should have let them go immediately and taken the risk. That's the kind of right coaching that I would give myself because that I only got it by hard learned (laughs) results. And so I would tell myself um, again, not to be ego, right? So don't be ego, be careful, make sure you're, you're getting all of the information, but once the decision has been made and you're ready to go, go take the risk. And a lot of times it's around things like letting people go, right? Liberating them, freeing them, freeing you. Yeah. Um, Be willing to just jump off the cliff once you're prepared. Don't wait. Waiting, nothing good can come of it. And and that's probably the coaching I would give myself at 21 that took me a while to learn. Yeah, it's lovely. I like it a lot. Thanks for sharing that, Shannon. Great stuff. Yeah, yeah. So for folk listening to us talk today who might be curious around the work that kinetics do, maybe getting their insight around the kinetics code, but also tapping into you and your network, uh, being true connectors in uh, in your potential factors, how can we make sure we connect them with you? Absolutely. Um, <clears throat> so our website is kineticshr.com. That's K-I-N-E-T-I-X-H-R.com. Um, you can get a little bit of scoop about us, connect with us, um, any of that kind of stuff. Also, that Kinetics HR is my handle on Twitter. It's my handle on Instagram. So if you want to find us um, there, um, LinkedIn is name, obviously. Um, and then if you want to dig in a little bit more to the Kinetics Code, um, one of the things we did for recruiting as well, but it's it's an opportunity for you, you can go to thekineticscode.com. Awesome. And that's where it is. And you can actually see it all. Um, so it's not locked up in some vault. We want it to kind of be living and breathing. And it can give you a perspective on um, on who we are and kind of how it makes us tick if you're thinking about that kind of thing for your company. And we'll dump all of those links and connections in our show notes as well. So it's dead easy for people to connect with you beyond today. Wonderful. Wonderful. Shannon, I've loved chatting. and uh, You and I've had some really interesting and uh, and deep conversations about the world that we're in and how it's changing and evolving. And I'm just delighted that we've got you on the show so that we can share that story with our wider audience. So thanks for being part of our community. Steve, thanks for having me. It's been really fun kind of talking through some of this stuff. You You made me think about some things that I haven't thought about for a while. And I think that's always super helpful. Thank you, Shannon. I want to sign off by saying a thank you to you for joining us on the show too. We recognize without you there is no show, so please continue to share, subscribe and like, and continue to get in touch with us with the great news stories that we share every week. And so that we can continue to bring you great stories, please make sure you give us a five-star review where you can, and share this podcast with your friends, your teams, and your communities. If you want to find us on social media, you can find us on Facebook and Twitter, at Leadership Hacker, Leadership Hacker on YouTube, and on Instagram, the underscore leadership underscore hacker. And if that wasn't enough, you can also find us on our website, leadership-hacker.com. Tune in to next episode to find out what great hacks and stories are coming your way. That's me signing off. I'm Steve Rush, and I've been your Leadership Hacker.